This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth and today I'm talking to Christine Law, Director, Head of Account-Based Marketing for Pack and Japan at ServiceNow. We're going to be talking about how to incorporate your brand experience into your ABM programs. ABM, in most cases, rightly or wrongly, tends to be an activation motion with strong CDAs. And sometimes because of that, you might lose the important elements of your brand in those activities. So I'm chatting with Christine today to see how you can basically avoid that. Christine, thanks a lot for joining us. <laughs> Hi, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Super excited, super excited. And um, I'm, I'm very excited because of your background. Obviously, you're, you're at ServiceNow now, but also because of your background, the work that you've done at Google. And I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone is familiar with how much emphasis Google puts on brand experience and how, the, how important the experience is. Can you give us a quick overview of what brand experience means to you? Yeah, I, I think maybe I'll just, uh, in addition to my Google experience, I also want to mention that um, I've been fortunate to work in some fairly big uh, tech companies. And in my early career, it was uh, with IBM, and then I moved to Red Hat as well. And I wanted to mention that because all these brands have a very strong identity of them, you know, including IBM being the this giant um, IT um, infrastructure and backbones for a lot of major corporates. Um, Red has been known as a very open company on everything open for the products that they do. And Google obviously is a very innovative, um, they, you know, synonymous with innovation. And then ServiceNow, now obviously, we are smaller when compared to other vendors, but at the same time, we have a very strong reputation of making the world works. Not that I'm trying to um, do the promotion here, but I feel all of this really resonate with me. I think in my mind, brand experience is really all about how our customer and prospect perceive our brand, really the lasting impression that they have whenever they think about our company. And obviously, 
you know, some people think brand experience oh, is really the job of brand and marketing. But in my mind, it's actually every employee's uh, responsibility. And it, you know, can be built on many fronts, right? You know, as simple as when you talk to a Googler, you have certain expectation how that person's going to be like. You will expect that person to be in T-shirt and jeans and, you know, sounds very cool. That's the impression that you get for a Googler. So I, I feel that, you know, in order to have that projection of the brand, everything you do matters and every touch point matters. It could be digital. It could be physical. It could be as small as the person that you shake hand with. So I think we have to be very careful as an employee uh, for the company to ensure that will come across. And I think what I found the most interesting, probably the Google experience um, it really uh, gave me a lot of uh, insight about how you really have to enforce your brain with everything you do. Um, we try to wrap around our campaigns with the Google culture, you know, making sure everything we do really representing the, the innovation. And I'm not saying all the other companies that I work uh, at wasn't like that, but just Google makes it so much more important that have, we have to focus on, well, on on those elements. So, yeah, so so I think that's probably the, the key points that I wanted to mention in terms of the brand experience. But I think another element I also wanted to mention is while we are running our campaigns or while we are interacting with our customers, I think it's very important to put ourselves in their shoes. And as a B2B marketer in my whole career history, nowadays I feel like I need to be a B2C marketer. I have to think about, yeah, I need to think about how they feel when they are interacting with my campaign. It's not like, you know, ServiceNow is dealing with a major bank, but is actually ServiceNow dealing with this particular individual who works at that bank. So if they come to our campaign or if they read our messaging, how would I like them to feel about our brand? And also, you know, as simple as, you know, as a, as a consumer myself, when I'm reading an ad, or when I'm getting an email, I don't want to be annoyed. I don't want to look at this ad and say, oh, this is not relevant to me. Why is it popping up on my feed? And it happens to us so often, right? And I don't want my campaigns to show up to be an annoyance to my customers. And in order to do that, it needs to be relevant. It needs to be thought through. And digital is one thing, even when it comes to our event, we even had to think about down to the level of, oh, how long does the registration process take when they come to a counter? Is that like a three seconds experience or is that like a two minutes experience? Wait you know? in line and yeah. yeah. And when they're sitting at the, the, the auditorium, can they hear it? You know, is the music too loud? I never thought as a B2B marketer, that is something that I had to think about. But then the more and more when I work on these campaigns, when I think about it as a person myself, I don't want to have this crank, you know, cranking music going on and then suddenly they play this video that I don't really understand. You know, you have to think about all these things. So, mm. and if you are uh, coming to uh, 
a Google event, you want it to be playful. If you're coming to an IBM event, you want it to be formal. So how do you project those elements uh, when you're running your campaigns? Sorry Love to it. be a... Um, no, this uh, is great. Yeah. This is a great introduction to this, this conversation. Great, great point to start on. I, I guess that's the, the next question I want to ask you and, and dive deep is, you obviously were doing ABM at Google as well, and uh, now is a very strong focus at ServiceNow. How do you see this, this definition that we gave to, to brand experience being incorporated into ABM programs to, to tell a story? Yeah, so um, I think probably I have to start with uh, defining ABM a little bit because I think every company that I, I worked at the definition of account-based marketing is a little different. <laughs> Some would say one to few customers is account-based marketing. Some were down to the level one-to-one. As ServiceNow, we are really talking about one marketer looking after several accounts, but every interaction with those accounts is a one-to-one experience. And because of that, like you mentioned earlier, if you have a certain brand image, so for example, ServiceNow is making the world works. How do you make sure that you're making the world works for this company and this particular individual? And we have to ensure that we incorporate our brand element, but then it's still very, very relevant to that particular account and to that particular individual. So, you know, from a marketing point of view, obviously you need to understand that account very well before you can tailor anything. Um, we had a whole process that we get to the point that we understand the customer well enough and, 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 and what we want to tell them. But if you look at the nitty gritty detail, for example, if you're putting up a web page um, that just for that customer, you have to think about the imagery that you use. Is that a banking customer? Is that banking customer in Australia? Or is that banking customer in India? <laughs> And is this you're targeting the developers or you're targeting the executive? And then you have to think about, imagine yourself being an Indian developer working for a bank in a remote location. So then you have to find imagery that kind of fits that. And when I look at that web page, oh, oh, that's me. So I feel like reading the rest, right? And then in terms of messaging, for example, it's not just about, hey, uh, why is that our solution good for the bank? You actually, We actually have to read the annual report of that company to understand what are their priorities. So we have to tailor the messaging down to the individual account level. And then if you are presenting to one of the uh, executives, you then have to start researching that particular person. What do they care about? And how do we make sure that our campaign reflects that but ties it back to our brand? Um, because obviously this particular person may care a lot of, you know, a lot of other things, um, but we want to ensure that we can provide a solution for what he wants to achieve. That's probably the main thing in terms of how do we connect with them, uh, with our brand, but also ensuring we know where they are, as in both at the digital front and the physical front. I have had uh, experience at making assumptions, um, you know, dealing with customers that with a Malaysian company. And then, you know, you started putting all these references about Malaysia, what the economy is like. And then 
you research it a bit more and the and the and the customer never mentioned where he is. And only when I talked to the salesperson, the guy actually based in Dubai. And he has a much bigger charter than Malaysia. So then you're like, why didn't he put it on LinkedIn that he's based in Dubai? <laughs> you know? But then you everything that you thought about and you wanted to tailor for him and down to which event to invite him to, he's not even in this region. What am I gonna gonna do? What do I so so those things that we've gotta be so careful about. Uh, I know it's almost sound like uh, we become a, a hospitality expert, but that's really how you are. That's what it takes for those bespoke experiences. I yeah. Think. Christine, can you give us some examples of how you've implemented this in the past, whether it's, you know, at Google or IBM or anywhere else? Do you think we can talk about some examples? Yes. I think one of the most interesting uh, example and and that about experience, right? I don't want the impression is like, I don't think about business, but we're really talking about uh, experience here. When IBM first uh, launched Watson, which is a cognitive AI uh, pioneer solution at the time. And we were running a launch event in the Southeast Asia region. And at the time we were like, okay, you can talk about Watson, you can talk about what the benefits of AI. And this is many, many years ago now. You know, you, you can talk about the use case. But at the time it was quite intangible to understand how you use AI in your work and how does that relate to me as a person. Obviously, as a marketing person, we have to think about something gimmicky to attract the customer. We will have an event that talks about the value proposition. We have an event that talks about all the content. But we wanted to give an experience is that come and experience Watson. The global marketing team uh, has developed like a Chef Watson uh, application. So basically, you can punch in any ingredients. For example, we made the soy sauce cocktail. And we made some funny ingredients. For example, you may have an Indian ingredients that putting into a French dish. We talk about fusion food, but some of these uh, ingredients are very unexpected. You may put, I don't know, um, soy sauce cocktail is the most memorable for me. And I mean, that that does sound quite uh, quite crazy, a soy sauce uh, uh, cocktail. So, so the application itself was quite simple, actually. You were just putting a few ingredients in and then Watson will mix and match the, the chemical chemicals to kind of suggest what's an ideal taste. And then it spits out the recipe and then you can make the recipe. What we did ended up, we were partnering with a very well-known hotel in Singapore and the marketing team, and this was the, the most fun experience I had, the marketing team sat together with the head chef who... <laughs> runs meals on a daily basis for thousand people. So we sat together with a head chef and we're like, okay, these are the dishes that Watson spits out from the app. Do you think you can make them? So we gave him the app to play with, he tried a few dishes and he was like, okay, some are great, some are not tasty. I will recommend that we can take these. So we ended up running a gala dinner, 100% on Watson recipes. And then we explained... Wow to the customer how they came about and we got the head chef to come and talk about his whole experience working with AI. So we thought we'd make it very tangible to the customers and they could actually taste it. Uh, and that was the best part of it. And then we had some other things at the gala dinner, but that was a highlight and very mem- memorable for me. 
I also want to mention another one is um, we were launching a innovation center uh, at Red Hat at the time. But innovation is so intangible because it's not about, sometimes it's all about a group of people sitting in an empty room to brainstorm ideas. That's innovation. That's how it comes about for the design thinking process. Innovation, quote unquote innovation. Yeah, so it's not like the minority report, you go in, you're trying to you know, <laughs> do something, right? Essentially, the innovation center was a, an empty room with lots of whiteboards. And the marketing team walked into the room was like, okay, how am I going to launch this? <laughs> because there is nothing to launch. So we were like, okay, let's think about and let uh, our customer visualize that process. So we started bringing in like an artist, drawing about the process of innovation. So you can kind of visualize it. Obviously, you can have somebody that do a video. There's many other ways that you can do it to explain the process. But we make it very colorful and, you know, almost like cartoons that everybody can relate. You know, all of us at some point would have read some sort of cartoons. But I think the main thing, it's about letting them to visualize the process. And then every step, we will bring it into a technical conversation. We may have people doing them or but we have some sort of animation guidance through the way. And so when the customer walk into the room, they just look at, well, it's a room of cartoons, which was quite interesting because we have had some really senior executives from big enterprises. They were like, huh? <laughs> so, um, so which I thought it was, it was quite an interesting way uh, of, of, of doing the campaigns and explaining a very, very difficult concept in a very layman, a relatable way. And we've gotten pretty good feedback about those. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, plenty of examples, I love, but I thought this one I is think, I, No, I think those examples are great because it, 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 people are like, oh, you know, we are, we do this particular thing. How do we incorporate that into our marketing? And we're so niche and we're doing this for this particular thing for the banking sector, but really pushing that frontier and pushing the boundaries in terms of how can we really incorporate our brand and our product and, and our services into our marketing components is uh it's hard but when it works it's just amazing so I, I love i love those experiences where do you think marketers go wrong when it comes to their abm programs incorporating their brand experiences in in into those i think there are three things that i see all the time and even myself sometimes just guilty for those mistakes. Number one is really being relevant. There's so many events and campaigns that I see. They are very product-centric. They are all about what we want to sell you and not about how our solution can help their business. Um, we talk a lot, and I'm sure you have heard a lot of marketers talked about always have to emphasize business outcomes. But even the business outcomes isn't really relevant to that particular individual or particular company. Because you hear a lot about digital transformation, you, know, you have to be agile, this is great, cost cutting, all of that. But when it applies to one particular customer, what, it, what does that mean to them? Because not every company has the same journey of digital transformation. If you talk to a traditional company, for them, it's all about revamping, being more innovative. But if you talk about a 
a very new unicorn kind of customer. For them, it's not just about innovation. Maybe cost cutting is not really a concern for them, right? And when you talk about digital transformation, they don't need to transform. They were born in digital era. So what's that messaging to them? So we have to be very careful of being relevant. Like this week, all I'm seeing is generative AI is all over the news. Chat GPT just uh, everything left and right. You know. But okay, is that relevant to every company for generative AI? So we have to think about when you talk about generative AI, why is that relevant to the customer that you want to sell to? Right. I think that that's very important. And and it comes to the second point I want to make is this shiny object syndrome. Anything new is great. I think for marketer, because we do product launches, we do solution launch, we do uh, we we cover trends, and but sometimes I look at it, not every customer wants it. Some companies yeah, yeah. just don't want this shiny object, and and very simple. Put the, yourself in their shoes. Do I really need a new iPhone every year? Exactly. You have to so you we- have to ask yourself, right? We love we love new shiny things. It's yeah, uh, it's just it's just know, amazing. Uh, but you're you right. Does it have business impact? Yeah, you buy one less phone, then you can buy something else. So it's really a trade off that you have to think about. Hey, maybe the customer doesn't need generative AI right now, but you can sell them something else, which is more relevant to them and is uh, more pressing for them, right? And then lastly, I think we all suffer a little. Yes. Less is more. We are doing so many campaigns, all of us, everywhere, because we're all desperate to get more business. Economy is not great, right? Everybody wants to get more business. So the solution for that is do more, show up more in the market, you know, knock on your customer door more. But there's a limit. It's not just about annoyance, it's when you when one person can only do three campaigns in a quarter, now you're asking them to do six. Your quality is going to suffer. You will not be able to get down to the level of really understanding your customer. So you're churning out campaigns that are very generic, you know, very fast. Maybe it's a bit better to take some time to figure out what your customer wants before you churn out something and your your yield will, will go down. So is that really a good thing to do more? Maybe just do less that is more relevant and then you hit a bit better. Yeah, that's such a, that's such a great, great message. And, and I think that is very prevalent right now in the market of, um, of let's just do more and more and more. And that's, that's such a great point. Such a great point. Now, Christine, I have a couple of rapid fire questions I want to ask you, but before we go there, is there is there anything else that maybe I didn't touch on that you think it's important for us to, or I didn't ask that you think it's important for us to cover about, about again, ABM brand experience? I think, you know, we talked a lot about spending the time to understand your customers, you know, have some thinking about the experience. There's just one caveat I want to say is, there's always a balance of, and I think we, we talked a little uh, earlier, it's about 100%, 120% or 80%. Sometimes I have seen the extreme of people spending so much time in the experience and not 
forgetting what is actually important for your campaign. I think at the end of the day, we come here to do business, right? We come here to uh, set up a strategy. So we always have to have a fine balance between, okay, get back to the, the basic, what is your fundamental strategy, right? And then you think about the elements that will help your brand to amplify in your strategy. It cannot just be, oh, I want the customer to know everything about the brand because at Google, for example, you can make it so fun. You can make it so grand. But at the end of the day, it's about uh, fulfilling a strategy and making the right balance of how much money you're spending, looking at the ROI. Does that make sense to spend a fortune to get a little bit of profit? So, you know, I, I think we all have to have that balance of ensuring that you have the right experience, but not going to the extreme of being too extravagant, which I think is probably a bit harder these days. And the budget is tight, I think, for most companies. But I've seen in the past that there are campaigns that like have a roller coaster in it and you're like, uh, what does that do? <laughs> so <laughs> don't don't put roller coasters in your campaigns. I Love have it. seen it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's me again. Just here to let you know that I'll be hosting XGrowth's upcoming webinar about increasing your share of wallet with ABM and customer marketing. You'll hear from Stephanie Desham, Head of Marketing, APJ at Boomi, Suzanne Pelizari, Director of Global Account-Based Marketing at CSG, and of course, Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at XGrowth. So catch us live at 12.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Friday the 16th of June. Save your spot and register with the link in the podcast description. I'll see you there. All right, let's do it. Let's do some rapid fire questions. Those are great points, and um, and thanks for th- thanks for adding them in. So um, the first rapid fire question I have is, what is one resource? This could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is that has had a profound impact on the way that you uh, you work or live. What uh, what comes to mind? If I tell you I'm going to show my age somehow, but um, I wanted to say I my very first meaningful job was actually from IBM. So if you ask me, I still think my blood is blue somehow. So the book that really influenced me was the book from uh, Lou Gerstner, uh, the IBM CEO from 1993 to early 2000. And his book is Who Says Elephants Can't Dance? And I don't know how many people know about this book, um, it was a must-read as an IBM at the time. But I think after I read the book, the first impression I have is, if an elephant can dance, I can too. Um, that's really shaped the belief I have that nothing is too difficult uh, to do. But, you know, just very quick summary. The reason why it was so amazing is because IBM was in the kind of uh, a brink of bankruptcy or they were dividing the companies into pieces rather than the, the one IBM. And I think that it was going through a lot of uh, visions change. And I think when Lou came into IBM, he just declared the last thing that IBM needs right now is, is a vision. So he then set up a lot of strategy to focus on execution, uh, simplify the organization, making sure performance is very important uh, to the employees. While at the time, there's so many people that worked there for years uh, employment, uh, sorry, um, performance no longer an issue 
for the employment. And after he changed the company around, um, I think one of the things that related to marketers is he really uh, consolidate a lot of um, branding and marketing agencies. IBM was showing up as all different brand images. We talked about brand experience. If you talk to people about IBM at the time, it's all different colors, all different uh, representation what what IBM means. I think since his days, um, IBM was kind of synonymous to e-commerce, e-business. Um, and then the blue bars of the IBM logo become so prominent and recognizable. Has always been the case, but I think he reinforced it to ensure he really that. Really, this yeah. is the first time. This is the first time I've heard this, this book, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, <laughs> to getting my hands on it and, and reading it. So thanks I, so I much for say, pointing it out. I gotta say, it may not be relevant to today's landscape, but at the time, was very impactful to me. And I think the probably the most impressive was the company was maybe around 30 billion at the time and after when he quit it went up to a hundred and something billion wow and he completely turned it around so yeah love it love it that's such a great advice uh, thank you so much for uh for, for mentioning that all right second question if you could give one advice to b2b marketers what would it be think customer well what's in it for them as a person Right, not what's in it for them, for the company. And it's not about what we want to sell to the company. It's about, okay, if this particular person buys our solution, what's in it for them? Is it better for their job? Is it helping them to get their next promotion? We need to understand. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so so short and succinct and to the point. I love it. I love it. Question number three, who are some of the influencers that you – basically follow, not not follow, but you come across or that you like their material, you like what they're saying. And I know influencers come with a, you know, baggage, that word, but, uh, but, but some of the people that are either in sales and marketing or in leadership that you kind of really like hearing what they have to say. Does anyone come to mind? Um, I have to say as a standard answer, <laughs> as a tech marketers, I had to follow all the tech CEOs and, you know, tech executives. Obviously, our service now CEO right now, Bill, I follow him, or the Google executive, Bill Gay, Setcha from Microsoft, maybe Seth Gordon from a marketing point of view. But but I think the people actually influence me the most are the, the senior people that I used to work with in different organizations in the local markets. I Because I'm connected to them on LinkedIn, I kind of look at what they're doing, you know, what they're putting up on their post. The difference between the thought leaders and these local leaders is they actually tell me what's hot in the market. What are they hearing from their customers? Why is it important that we have to focus on these things? Because if you just look at the global level thought leaders, all you know about now is generative AI. <laughs> um, That's it. That's but, it. Yeah, but if you if you get down the level of the local market leaders, you will know that, hey, how does it apply to this company? How does this apply to this person? And then they also have interaction with the actual customers, sometimes the customer comments. And it's pretty interesting to see that dynamics on, you know, what are some of the most important things for a particular country. So, yeah, so that's what, what I usually read, I have to say. Yeah. I love it. Okay, last question. Last question, Christine. What is something that excites you about B2B today? 
Sorry to be cliche, but it's actually the future of digital. It's very scary, personally, I think, but it's also very exciting at the same time. We now have the ability to kind of stop every person for, from a technology point of view. Obviously, um, every company has a different practice, and privacy is definitely the top priority and concerns for marketers. But the fact that you are able to identify their interests, even at the aggregated level, and then you can serve them very personalized content, is very exciting. Even as a consumer myself, we were just joking about it the other day with the digital head, uh, digital marketing head, and she said, "I don't want to see handbags that I don't like on my ad feed," <laughs> which is true. I'm happy to read content if I'm interested in it, right? Yeah. And this is why you hear a lot of people mindless scrolling. You will only scroll if you're interested. And we, I get to the level of what you see is actually what you're interested in. Um, obviously, as a marketer, we have to be responsible of what we do, but at the same time, it's very exciting that hey, if you find the right angle to reach your customer, your job is half done. Love it, love it, Christine. This has been an awesome conversation, and、uh, I have a bunch of notes that I'm going to go back to and review, and I am pretty sure that、uh, a lot of the Listeners are going to find it as、uh, as as、uh, awesome and、uh, insightful as I had. So thank you so much for、uh, for coming on the podcast. No problem. Pleasure's all mine. <laughs> Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywall. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywall and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Extra. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth dot com dot au. That's podcast at xgrowth dot com dot au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week, right here on Growth Colony.